Having a company that's run by a woman and lots of women involved in the management of the business, mm-hmm. um, we, we just want to make sure we point it out. And you know, many of these women um, don't have the capacity to to bootstrap themselves the way we did. So you know, it starts with with financial education and, and literacy, and, and uh, you know, we, it's just very important to us. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Tim Boyle, president and CEO of Columbia Sportswear. Tim's grandparents bought the small hat company after fleeing Nazi Germany in the 1930s and named it the Columbia Hat Company. Tim and his mother, Gert Boyle, eventually took over the company in 1970. Now in its 80th year, Columbia Sportswear is still based in Portland, where the company's tough mother still goes to work every day. My grandfather's older brother was a black sheep. So if you had an incorrigible kid, you sent them to America. So Mm -hmm. my uncle Max got sent to America, ended up working for a company from San Francisco, but he was based in Portland. So that's how grandparents ended up here in Portland. Shortly after they came here, they uh, started a company which they called Columbia Hat Company. Well, actually, my grandfather bought a hat company which was called Rosenfeld Hat Company. And uh, just coming from Nazi Germany, he did not want to have a Jewish name connected to the company, so he changed it to what every other company in Portland is called, which is Columbia. And they uh, ran the company, well, mostly your grandfather, Paul Lamform. Lamfrom. Lamfrom. Yep. And he was running the company for a, a number of years until your mom, Gert Boyle, uh, married your father. Yeah. And then I, your father, Neil, took over the company. Yeah. Actually, both, both my grandparents worked at the company. You know, it was a very tiny company selling hats and caps in basically Oregon, Washington, Northern California, Idaho, Alaska. A very regional company, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my grandfather would go on the road selling, and my grandmother would manage the warehouse and ship merchandise. And but it was a tiny company. Yeah. When my dad um, died in 1970, he started running the company, or he he joined the company after my folks were married, and then ran the company after my grandfather died in '64. And when he died in 1970, the business was doing one million dollars annually. Mm-hmm. So. It was really a small regional business. Did you have a storefront? Did they have a storefront, or were they shipping to different com- to different businesses? No, we weren't doing any retail business at all. It was all wholesale to um, you know retailers around the United States. You know, most people don't know that J.C. Penney was founded in Idaho, so the little tiny J.C. Penney stores called Golden Rule. You know, those were customers of ours, and they were in Yakima and Snoqualmie Pass, and you know, Rhododendron, and right. all over, all over, little companies around. At what point did they branch out from hats? Well, in the mid '50s, 
men quit wearing hats. You know, it was a men wore hats up until 1950, and then they quit wearing them. It became a problem for the business. So that's when they started branching out into um, all different kinds of products, really casting about to try and find something that worked, which would include we sold boats for a while, we sold little league uniforms, we sold baseball gloves, baseball hats, um, rope toe mittens, and that was one of the, the items that actually um, ultimately changed the, the nature of the business and the, the force of the business was the, the rope toe mitten business. Is that for like fishermen? Nope. No? Skiers. Oh, rope toe. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And because at that point, skiing would have become uh, a sport that was taking off in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, right. And so that was the one of the products that really caught caught on. Well, it, more than catching on, it was yeah. it was probably an, an okay product, but yeah. the vendor that we were using at the time, my grandparents and dad were using at the time went bankrupt. So mm. we ended up buying the rope toe mitten factory mm. and making rope toe mittens ourselves. Yeah. And frankly, um, when you aren't making rope toe mittens in the summertime, because people aren't skiing in the summer, uh, we had to find something else to do. And so my, my dad invited a few of his buddies to the house and they mm. sat around and had a few cocktails and my mother sewed up a fishing vest, which yeah. really launched the company in a in a more aggressive way. An outdoor outdoor sports enthusiast right. sort of company. Right. Uh, I did read that there was a point where, uh, when it was a hat <coughs> distribution, it was a Columbia Hat Company, that there was something with the manufacturers of the hats that you decided to go ahead and start manufacturing your own items? Well, that was the, as I described, the fishing okay. vest and the, and the rope tow mitt. So we never out. really manufactured headwear, not in any serious way, really. Yeah. And then when your father passed away, you were a senior at the University of Oregon. I was, yeah. What were you studying? I was studying journalism. Were you, so you were not intending to go into the business? I was getting ready to go to law school. Were you really? Yeah. Can you believe it? Oof. What would have happened then? I probably would have been a really, really <laughs> bad attorney. <laughs> so at that point, your your projection changed, and you was it your mom that asked you to join her? In well, this? you know, my mom had not been in the business prior, so I'd spent at least the summers, uh, ever since I was old enough to walk, you know, helping out in the business, and I thought I knew everything, but come to find out I didn't know anything, but that didn't stop me from firing anybody who disagreed with me. So, I was talking to Pat Reeser, who eventually yep. took over Reeser Fine Foods, <clears throat> even though she was, she was a teacher and wasn't running the business or wasn't involved in the business, but yet you know, she would talk, tell stories about when her husband would come home and they would talk about it and he would bounce ideas off of her. Was your mom sort of in the same role with your father where she's not going to the company, but she's involved? Well, in obviously the discussions about the business happened, you know, with my grandparents and my mom and my dad over the dinner table and the holidays, etc. But it's different. Um, actually, our current president, Mr. Trump, 
thought looking in he would know everything there is about running a country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's probably some parallels that, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to look, be critical and look over the edge of the pool and then there's nothing to go swimming. Right, so, and dive right in. Yeah. Right. So at that point, it was 1970 mm-hmm. when your father passed away uh, and you and your mom took over. What was that like? Scary, exciting? Yeah, mostly scary. Yeah. You know, because the the whole family's livelihood was based on the business. And so um, as we were um, floundering around, losing money, um, it became more and more scary. The the likelihood of of the company going bankrupt was increasing. And so our bank said, you've got to... Uh, you, you've got to sell the business. You guys are going that. broke. Yeah. So we tried to sell the business, and that was actually a very good business school for me. It was an MBA project because I would explain the business to people who were interested in looking at it, and mm-hmm. they would say, well, wh- why are you doing that when maybe you should be doing this? And um, so I learned as much there as I did really anywhere mm-hmm. um, about how to run a business. And then... Um, you know, we we got a tiny offer that we rejected, and, and um, the bank said, okay, we'll give you a few more months to turn this around. And by the way, I just loaned some money to some guys starting a shoe business out in Beaverton. Mm. Maybe I can get one of those guys to join a pro bono board of advisors. We had one of the early Nike employees help us to sort of point us in the right direction. And yeah, neat, because neither you nor your mom had business background. Right. Besides talking to the businesses, potential businesses who might have uh, purchased Columbia Sportswear, was there anything that you did, you know, after you and your mom took over to help you with the business sense? Were there classes? Were there advisors besides, you know, the gentleman from Nike? Or was it on-the-job training? No, it was really on-the-job training. In yeah. fact, uh, when it when things got really bad and we had virtually no money, I was, I would go on the road, uh, on the road, I would go around Portland to yeah. Myron Frank, G.I. Joe's, Fred Meyer, and sell merchandise, and then I ran a, a night shift in our little factory in St. John's. How come? Uh, because we we didn't have enough money to have more. <laughs> <laughs> we had these sewing machines sitting idle at night. I figured, hey, let's get some people working here in the evening, and uh, we'll double our production. 24-7. Yeah. What was your mom's role at the time? She was really trying to keep the bank, uh, you know, happy, and she was c- connecting with the bank and doing more of the financing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a tiny little business, so yeah. uh, that was that was her function. You're listening to Kink's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Tim Boyle in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution, serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Tim Boyle, president and CEO of Columbia Sportswear. Tim's grandparents bought the small hat company after fleeing Nazi Germany in the 1930s and named it the Columbia Hat Company. Tim and his mother, Gert Boyle, eventually took over the company in 1970. Now in its 80th year, 
Columbia Sportswear is still based in Portland, where the company's tough mother still goes to work every day. At what point did the two of you realize that you were going to be okay? Um, last week. <laughs> You know, uh, there's, a, there's a famous book by um, uh, one of the founders of Intel called, uh, with the title, Only the Paranoid Survive. Andrew Grove. Andrew, Eddie Grove. And uh, it's, I think that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I interviewed them last week. The oh, folks you did? Intel. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, and he had a lot of um, a great things. But your mom did, too. One of them <laughs> was, it's perfect, now make it better. Right. You know, she is a driving force. Uh, behind this business, and it wasn't until the One Tough Mother uh, ad campaign came mm -hmm. out that people got to see Gert Boyle behind the scenes. Yep. Did she love that attention? Did she? Um, I would say um, she has grown to like it. Yeah. Um, she was reluctant at first, um, and but as it, you know, it's so differentiated from other kinds of sportswear purveyors in terms of how we market ourselves, and mm -hmm. so different from from many other businesses, especially um, you know back in the '80s when we really first started that. that yeah. There were women involved in managing a business, um, so she she's taken to it. Yeah. In fact, sometimes we have to <laughs> tell her, "Hey, we make this stuff up. You know, you don't have to." Really <laughs> So she was and has been always a strong presence behind the company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Was she sort of nervous taking this on, and at what point did she find herself sort of being more comfortable in the role? Well, she's always had a, a point of view, and she's always been um, – she's never been reluctant to – provide her point of view whether you wanted it or not right and so that's that's probably um, at least as much a part of her personality as anything and, mm -hmm. and she's uh, what do they say um, seldom wrong but never in doubt something like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> how often does she come into the office these uh, days only every day only every day yeah. it's hard to keep her away yeah what does she do when she's here? Well, she uh, does, you know, frequent marketing. Um, I don't know about events, but she, right. she'll meet with, with customers. Mm -hmm. um, she answers her mail, answers her phone. Mm -hmm. um, she'll read the newspaper here, yeah. uh, you know, so that the duties are uh, less um, stringent than they were in the past. But, right. But she still makes a contribution. And, she's connected. Yeah. Yeah, we had an all-employee meeting here at the company earlier this week, and she was present. And, yeah. and she loves it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, she wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, when things were going on, again going back to, let's say the '70s and '80s, you were trying new things, going into jackets, going into pants, and not just skiing and fishing, but outdoor. I mean, this is a perfect uh, laboratory right. for. Um, the kind of gear that you produce. You brought people on. Were were you and your mom involved in designing any? I know your mom was involved in uh, testing some of the right. <laughs> some of the equipment. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, early on, if you if you can think about a million dollar company, 
there's, there's not a lot of budget for R and D. You right. basically have to be um, you have to have your antenna up and be be capable of talking to consumers and retailers and finding out where the white space is and how you can make products that mm -hmm. are different and are successful commercially. Yeah. So luckily we had some of that ability and we added more people that, that had that capacity over time. As you got bigger. So going back to the one tough mother, that <coughs> was um, around when she was, she was literally going out and testing the equipment, isn't that right? Well, she wasn't so much testing the equipment as driving me to test the equipment. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember some of those commercials. Yeah. She'd put you out in the middle yeah. of a blizzard to right. test it out. Whose idea was that? Uh, it was really the ad agency. Yeah. Uh, was Borders, Parent, and Norander we used for many, many years, and they, they're a local Portland agency, and they, they did great work and yeah. uh, really helped to, to, again, make the company different and, and memorable. And she loved that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. She was the first woman to be inducted into the Sporting Goods Association Hall of Fame. She has many, many awards and many accolades, both um, in Portland and Oregon and Pacific Northwest and worldwide, um, inducted into the Global Business Hall of Fame. She also learned on the, on the job as well. Mm -hmm. I, try and, <clears throat> I tried to tell my sons that I made up the one tough mother, and then I had to finally tell them that it wasn't me. <laughs> I was looking over your website, and you have a lot of really interesting features, not just the blog, but one thing stuck out, um, and that's the transparency map, where you have, uh, it provides visibility to where products are made. You update it biannually so you can see where, what countries you're in, what factories, and employees, a male-to-female ratio. What brought that about? Well, um, many of our competitors in the outdoor business differentiate themselves using um, either their greenness or their sustainability. And as we said earlier, it's so difficult to differentiate yourself from other apparel companies that um, we wanted to make sure that we had a point of differentiation. And for us, it's GERT and how we, how we develop the products and our innovations. But it's important to consumers to understand how the company's operating and the fact that if, some, if, if if a competitor says that they are enormously sustainable and do the right things, that, that if we don't if we don't talk about what we do, then mm -hmm. people assume we're we're not we're not cognizant of that and not taking care of the, of our obligations as citizens of the world. So we want to make sure that people understand what we do, but it's not it's not part of our marketing. No, it's part of you know you have to. <clears throat> it's not front and center on the website. That's for sure. You have to dig around and see some of these things yeah. and. The male-to-female ratio, I thought, was interesting, and I thought, I wonder why that's on there. And then a little further digging, and I found her project, mm -hmm. uh, which is really inspiring. So 75% of the people working um, in the factories are women, which is not uncommon. Um, and so Columbia Sports were partnered with Business with Social Responsibility to start her project, which is a program that promotes women's health, financial literacy, and gender equality. Why was that important to Columbia Sportswear? Well, I, I think, you know, having a company that's run by a woman and lots of women involved in management of the business, mm -hmm. um, we, we just want to make sure we point it out. And, you know, many of these women um, don't have the capacity to, to 
bootstrapped themselves the way we did. So, you know, it starts with with financial education and, right. and literacy and, and uh, you know, we, it's just very important to us. Yeah. When you, when, when a woman has the money and the ability to make decisions, the whole family is healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it plays into that. So, no, I thought that was uh, really a neat aspect. Um, you mentioned environmental um, focus for different companies, different uh, sportswear companies. But Columbia Sportswear has a number of things going on as well. Um, there is the Responsible Down Standard, mm-hmm. which is um, best practices for the welfare of animals and ensures that the down feathers are sourced responsibly. You're a business that goes through a lot of downs, so having that be transparent is big. And then the new line of clothing, the OutDry Extreme Eco line, the one aspect that I really liked was that there's no dye used in it. The most important aspect, though, is it's PFC-free. That's a big one as well, yeah. because that goes back into the system and builds up in animals and right. people's bodies yep. and that sort of thing. Do you have a, a team working on innovation for yes, environmental standards? It's not a big team, but it's enormously effective. Yeah. And, um, again, we talk about points of differentiation for our company versus others. Um, when we first, um, When we first had a... An ability to, to manufacture our own products, we were using Cortex, Finsulate, and, and other commodities that were available sort of off the shelf. But, you know, frankly, it got very difficult to differentiate ourselves when our Gore-Tex jacket was compared with somebody else's Gore-Tex jacket, well, maybe 10 other people's Gore-Tex jacket. So right. we really decided, you know, we have, to, we have to focus on being different, and that's when we started um, emphasizing... Um, componentry and materials that we had a, a point of view on an, and an ownership position in. So mm-hmm. that would include the Omniheat reflective material right. and um, OutDry and OutDry Extreme. And, and you're marketing to a group of people that is outdoors. Right. And many of us, because I'm one of them, let's face it, uh, we care about the environment when we're out in the environment, so mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're taking care of those things even yep. with what we wear. So that's right. a great point of interest. Along the way, Columbia Sportswear has acquired a number of different businesses, mm-hmm. uh, Sorrel, Mountain Hardware, Montreal. What's on your mind as you pick and choose sort of how to do that, how to build Columbia Sportswear? Well, um, so we have acquired those businesses, and we have over time built up a balance sheet which allows us to, to acquire other businesses. But we've really been very focused on the items that we already own Mm -hmm. so from time to time something interesting comes up and we always think about okay if we um is this something where we think that can be really accretive to the business or should we just take the time and effort that we would otherwise put in that project and focus it on stuff that we already own what's going to be better and and we've we fairly consistently found that if we spend time on the stuff that we already have, it's a high return for our shareholders. Um, that having been said, you know there there are brands out there and companies out there that we think would be good if they were in the in the fold. But a good fit. But it's about really making sure that we're running what we have well. Yeah. Your son is now in the company, Joe Boyle. Mm-hmm. He's a brand president. Yep. Moving forward, looking ahead for Columbia Sportswear, family-owned business. Yeah, but it's a publicly held business, so right. our obligations for shareholders are, 
are significant, and we, we realize that. My daughter's also in the, in the business as well. She's in, involved in our retail business. What, do you, what would you like to see for Columbia Sportswear moving forward? Well, I think, um, you know, we've, we have a certain reputation, which hopefully is deserved um, as, a, as a good citizen of, of Portland and Oregon and uh, in the world, hopefully, and um, hopefully that that would continue and, and um, you know, we'd be... We'd be, you know, able to help in, in many ways to make not only people more comfortable outdoors, but also more comfortable wherever they live. And so that's, that's important to us. Tim, thank you so much for taking time for this. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Tim Boyle. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating King's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution, serving our community since 1950.